You know, when I started this whole process, I used to think that people that like white wine were children of Satan. Um, but and and that was just my ignorance. You know, I think I think that it's a sin against humanity to use a food processor because I think that chopping it's one of the most chopping is one of the most contemplated things that I do all day. Welcome to the Nurse Surgery Podcast. I'm Mike Wang, and I'm here with my co-host, J.P. Colson. We are here to discuss all things neurosurgical. Hi, this is J.P. Colson, a resident in neurosurgery at Rush University. Please note that this is not a CME event, and the opinions and statements made in this podcast do not reflect those of any institution or professional organization. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Neurosurgery Podcast. This evening, I am delighted to be joined by one of my bosses, uh, an attending neurosurgeon here at Rush, Dr. Lorenzo Munoz. Dr. Munoz has fellowship training in pediatric neurosurgery. Uh, most of his practice these days focuses on brain tumors. I'm very delighted and honored to work with him and learn from him every day here at Rush. And as part of our ongoing mini-series for the Hobbies of Neurosurgeons, Dr. Munoz has agreed to join us this evening and talk about two things that he is very passionate about and that give him great joy outside of the operating room, wine, in which he is an expert, and cooking, which I have personally sampled, and I'll say he's an expert in that as well. Dr. Munoz, thank you so much for joining us on the show tonight. How are you doing, JP? Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. Absolutely. Um, and so let's take first things first. Um, I was delighted to learn quite recently when I talked with you about doing the show that not only are you a connoisseur and passionate about wine, but you're actually a sommelier and you, you teach a course here in Chicago. Tell me how you got started with all of that. You know, I think it must have been about 20 years ago when my uh, best friend in the city, Dan, uh, invited me to a wine tasting in his house. Uh, leading up to that point, you know, my wife and I enjoyed wine. Uh, we would have wine with meals and so forth. But we sort of knew what we liked, but we didn't really understand why. And, and I remember going to this wine tasting at my friend's, and um, he was basically hosting three kind of curmogeny, cantankerous older guys that were really passionate, <laughs> if not openly hostile, about their opinions regarding wine and quite frankly, was intimidating, but it really picked my interest um, in learning more about this um, because they really told great stories of their travels to the different wine regions and the breadth of their knowledge was really, really interesting. So over the years, uh, I've thought, always thought that, you know what, there's going to be something else besides neurosurgery. And as it turns out, there is. And it's been uh, something that I share with my wife, uh, which is basically... Uh, food and wine. What a what a wonderful story. What a wonderful path to that. Um, I wonder at, at what point in this learning and this journey with your wife did you decide to start sharing what you learned with others? It must have been about three, four years ago that after, you know, buying the books and reading through different manuals and sort of self-teaching, I decided to actually take classes. One of the things that you cannot really do on your own is to calibrate your palate. Uh, in other words, uh, when somebody tells you that you're tasting, you know, oak 
or you're smelling oak, uh, it's kind of hard to just read about it. So I'll, in light of that, I sign up for classes at the um, Kendall College here in Chicago, which I don't know if it's still going on, but at the time, it's a hot hotel hospitality uh, school. And there I took my first two levels of wine classes. What level are you today? Well, I am, I, I have sought different certifications because there are different certifying bodies. Um, after I finished my level one and level two classes at Candle College, you really don't have a degree uh, in the wine world, <clears throat> but it enabled me to seek my certification with the court master sommelier, um, which are the fellows that basically, you know, you heard about the so-called masters, you know, not so-called, the master sommelier and so forth. So I was certified as a certified sommelier. That, that was my certification. Subsequently, I sought others uh, with the Society of Wine Educators, where I became a uh, specialist of wine and subsequently a certified wine educator. And lastly, I joined the Wine Scholar Guild, where I became certified as a scholar of French, Italian, and Spanish wines. And under the French wines, I have um, obtained master level in the different regions of France, which include Burgundy, uh, Bordeaux, Alsace, Champagne, the Rhone, um, and the Loire Valley. Wow. Uh, what, what an impressive uh, range of territories and wines to know. I'm very curious when you started giving classes and perhaps even when you were taking classes yourself, did your professional side come up at all? Or, or when people come to learn from you, do they know that they're learning wines from a neurosurgeon? I, I know that I used to be a musician and, and when I was still in medical school and even a bit since I've come to Chicago, I've tried to dabble still and interact with other musicians. I will play an open mic night here or there before all the shutdowns for the coronavirus, of course. And people ask, oh, what do you do for a living? And there can be some intimidation or some awkwardness when you say, oh, well, I'm a doctor. I, I, for me, I'm in training in neurosurgery. So when folks come to your wine class, do they ask about what you do? Do they know that they're learning from a neurosurgeon? I think most don't. In fact, uh, here in town in our, in our suburb out west, we once had a function by which um, we were invited by the village to have a night of food and wine. It was a beautiful event. That was last winter. And um, there were about between 80 and 90 people attended. And nobody, I don't think for the most part, people knew what, I, what my day job is. In fact, you get, <laughs> you get these questions. They say, well, what, which, which restaurant you, you work at? And the truth of the matter is that I have not worked in a restaurant a day of my life. Um, what I know about the restaurant business is how to order and how to tip. That's about it. <laughs> oh, and with, with the professional certifications, did your wife do that with you as well? Has she, has she followed on with your levels? She has been lagging a little bit behind, uh, but she's, she's steadily working towards, uh, towards some of those. Um, you know, the two, the two of us together, we have our, our little wine school. It's called the Hinsdale which is the name of our town, the Hinsdale Wine Academy. So you can check it out at hinsdalewineacademy.com. And um, we run this every Tuesday uh, out of our basement. We used to have an off-site uh, area, but it's so much better to do it out of our basement because, among other things, uh, we provide food with all the classes and, 
and, and that makes for a much better experience. Obviously, this is all on hold because of, of COVID, uh, but it's something that we enjoy doing together. Wow, that's phenomenal. And we'll make sure that uh, there's a link to that website in today's episode show notes. So anyone in the area and anyone in the future who may be traveling that hears this can can look you up if they want to take a course. Um, I wonder then, you know, I also want to talk about your cooking today. I've sampled your cooking and I was blown away. I am, uh, I won't say a chef, of course, but I'm a cook myself and I, I can get passionate about it. So maybe as a way to transition to that side of your life outside the hospital, maybe you could talk about pairing wines with foods. Um, have your studies covered that or is that something outside of the formal wine training that you just come to appreciate as you learn more? Well, first of all, JP, thank you for, for the compliments. I, I would say this. I don't fancy myself a chef. I think to be a chef, you have to have the creativity and certainly the schooling to come up with the wonderful creations. I think I'm probably a chef wannabe or maybe a, uh, I don't know, an advanced cook, for lack of a better uh, definition. Uh, but but I, I, I will tell you, although I dabble in, in trying to create some things, it's very humbling to see how difficult actually it is to understand food to the extent that you can create things. Um, food and wine is, is one of the hallmarks of the class. Um, like it's been said, uh, food without wine is like a body without a soul. It's, a, it's really a corpse. Uh, I try to impart on my students the thought that uh, wine is the ultimate condiment for what you're eating. And not only it's fun to try to come up with the things that match, and, sur and surprisingly, there are very few things that actually do not match. Not only it's fun to do, but it really enhances your meal. And, and it's something that, like, again, uh, that, I, that I do with my wife as much as possible. Dr. Munoz, let me ask you about the cooking and surgery. Uh, you know, I know this is a common thing and, and cooking is one of my favorite things to do, but I, I'm not as good at it as you. But do you feel like since you've gotten deeper into this art form that maybe it's enhanced your abilities as a surgeon too? Uh, that's a great question. You know, I, I think, and, and I, you know, many of my former residents, we share this passion. And to this day, I will get, you know, I've, I've graduated close to 30 cheap residents. And to this day, I still get uh, texts and emails from old, old chief residents and old, you know, uh, former residents sending me a picture of what they cooked. And, and I think it's not a function of me inspiring anybody necessarily, but I think, like you alluded to, I think neurosurgeons are tinkers. And, and, and cooking is the ultimate tinkering. Uh, you have an unlimited source of materials and there are preparations, there's the chopping. Uh, you know, I think, I think that it's a sin against humanity to use a food processor because I think that chopping <laughs> is one of the most, chopping is one of the most contemplative things that I do all day. Uh, you know, I, I compare it to being under the microscope. You, you're sort of in a zone because you have to, first of all, you have to be careful. Otherwise, you cut a finger off and that would be a problem. But you pay attention and you get it. You really get immersed into what you're doing. So that certainly re resembles uh, surgery. It certainly does. I wonder, have you had any formal training on the cooking side of things as well? Most of what I've learned was either as a child with my mother in the kitchen, fond memories, of course, or when I got older and started studying more seriously, uh, at least in the time that I grew up and, and was getting old enough to think about these things, I had videos on YouTube. Uh, 
I think I've watched every Gordon Ramsay video there is out there. He has everything from recipes to cooking principles to basic knife technique. How did you learn what you know, Dr. Munoz? Well, I, I came, you know, being from Puerto Rico, uh, Puerto Rico, it's all about food, uh, rum and baseball. I am the only Puerto Rican, admittedly, that hates baseball and doesn't drink rum. But I do, I do love to, love to eat. And, and, you know, I grew up in a family. Um, and and if, if I were to give you an inspiration uh, for the whole cooking thing was my maternal uh, grandfather, who, who, who was a huge, impactful figure in my younger years. He was always cooking uh, all kinds of things, you know. Um, and that inspired me over the years. I, we've taken many cooking lessons, uh, but they've been sort of a la carte cooking lessons anywhere from, you know, French, Italian, Indian, uh, Greek, but that, I have to say that's next in my docket. I'm going to, I'm going to sign up and, and take some, some serious cooking lessons next. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I have some good friends that are chefs. And so I have to ask you this, if you had to tell us your favorite operative case to do, and then your favorite dish to either cook or eat, what would it be? Oh, what a great question. I would say that my, uh, you know, like JP said at the beginning of the podcast, my area of interest is intracranial microsurgery. So nowadays it's north of 95% of what I do is adults uh, with a few kids that do come in and I'm delighted to take care of them. Um, the, the best cases are those that are a combination of a clean, straightforward anatomy uh, that is reasonably challenged and all in the name of actually helping the patient. So the thing that jumps to mind is a microvascular decompression for like I say, a trigeminal neurologist. These are people, as you know, that are in misery. Uh, it's a beautiful anatomy uh, dissection. You take care of business and in an hour and a half, two hours, you're all set. What would be the cooking equivalent of that? Oh man, I would say a nice saute uh, of you know whatever you whatever you want to say. Maybe some kind of a cutlet sautéed, uh, perhaps a little dredging, uh, followed by oh man, a nice little starch like perhaps a risotto or something like that. I don't even know if that makes sense, but I'm thinking of things that are so good, just like that surgery. Sure, and they have that purity to them. Um, exactly. Exactly. As you said, with the anatomy. So then I'll, I'll put to you the obvious follow up. Do you have a favorite wine or perhaps favorite classes of wine? People people ask me that question. And, and, and I and I hate the answer that I'm about to give you, because I, I suspect that it resonates as a cop out. But it really depends on what I'm eating. Right. Um, I seldom I, I'll be honest with you in as much. I love wine and my wife and I have wine virtually nightly. It is always about the food that we're eating that night. We seldom, if ever, actually sit down and just sip on wine uh, without anything to go with it. Um, so to that end, I would say that, you know, when I started this whole process, I used to think that people that like white wine were children of Satan. Um, <laughs> but and, and that was just my ignorance. I mean, we actually used to keep one bottle of white wine for a neighbor that would come from time to time. And that's all she drank. Now I will tell you that it's kind of like a 50-50 proposition with us. Uh, we, we really like everything. We really like everything. I, I can't even tell you that I like. I will tell you this. I, I prefer wines that tend to be a little bit more in the restrained side. I'm not, I'm not big for the what I call the Coca-Cola wines. Um, and I'm not going to name names, but I think we all know those big brooding wines that are sort of even a little bit on the sweet side. 
that's not my my style. I like something a little bit more restrained, a little bit more modest. Modest. So if if you had to pick um, which you would do for longer, like let's say, how old are you now, Dr. Munoz? I'm 55. Okay. So let's say you take this out to your late 70s. Do you think you're going to stop operating or stop cooking first? I I'm planning... I'm planning on remaining a neurosurgeon as long as I can be relevant. I mean, I, I, I love what I do. Uh, residents like uh, JP make it worthwhile. Uh, we just interviewed a whole bunch of resident candidates yesterday. And when they ask me, you know, what gets you up in the morning? The answer is unequivocally the residents. The residents and the patients, but the residents are a huge part of, of what I like. It's the happiest day of the year is when residents graduate. I, I, it's just something else. Um, I think that I would probably end up cooking longer than I will operate, provided that as a demented old man, I'm not going to burn down the nursing home. I, that's, that's what I'm hoping to be doing. <laughs> well, I wonder, um, you know, a, as you enjoy teaching the residents, we can put on your teaching hat now for a moment. You mentioned before when we were talking about food and wine pairings that you, you don't think there are these hard and fast rules, that anything can go with anything. Do any examples spring to mind, perhaps things that you cover in your class, about classic uh, classic examples of things that people don't think can go together, red wine and fish, for example, and ways that you can bring them together with the right recipe, the right sauce? Again, great question. You know, I, I find that that is the most intimidating thing about the wine world is the food and wine pairings. And I have a slide that I'd show that you've seen it. It's one of those nightmare slides when you have a cow, and then you have all these lines going all over the place, matching the cow with some kind of a wine. And I tell and I tell uh, my fellow wine aficionados that this class is about doing away with it. Um, you know, there's certain iconic wine pairings that I think are fun to teach up front because it really opens the mind to what that synergy is all about. That alchemy that happens in the mouth is all about. For instance a port with a blue cheese, a seared foie gras with a sauterne, uh, in, you know, oysters with a muscadet or a Sauvignon Blanc. I mean, these are things that once you taste them together, it's a, huge, it's, a, it's a huge aha moment. Then once you get a sense of how, of the mechanics of how to pair one thing with the other, then you can get a little daring. Um, and you, you said the example of fish, uh, and wine, yeah, you know, traditionally you think fish, white wine, but like you uh, keenly said, but what if the fish has some kind of a red sauce? Then I would say that you need a lighter red wine to go with it. Um, you can still do your white, but I think uh, a lighter red wine will be more adventurous and, and, and interesting. Okay, and, and while we have your teaching hat on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pump you for more free advice. You mentioned before, <laughs> right, you mentioned before when you were learning the wines the uh, value of having someone to guide you in developing and refining your palate. Um, I think one of the, my most formative experiences in refining my own was actually an Easter I got to spend with Dr. Wang in Miami, where many of his guests had all brought expensive champagne, all of the labels, the names that we know. And this was a unique experience for me because we were able to sit down and have sips and try them all side by side and really appreciate the difference among them, whereas for, for me at my age, even trying a glass of one of those would be maybe an annual event, if that. So similarly in the cooking world, 
Can you think of any particular dishes, any particular seasonings, any particular ingredients that it took you time to develop a real intuition for, a knack for, in a sense for when to use this, when to not use this, in perhaps an unexpected way? Um, you, you touch on something that is very interesting that I think it applies to surgery, which is the concept of repetition and learning. Um, I've, you know, the days that we that I used to clip a lot of aneurysms, um, you know, we, we would we would go into the into the OR and, and any particular day we clip two or three aneurysms that week, maybe we clip five aneurysms and residents would always comment. And I have to agree that that repetition, that that burst of aneurysm action, if you will, really, really cemented a certain muscle memory and, and know how in how to take care of that. That 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 resonates with me in the way that you're describing having those that whole bunch of, uh, of sparklers that night. Um, and one of the things that I that I recommend to people that that are listening to the, that, that that are listening to this that want to get acquainted with wine is pick a grape per week. If you have more than a couple bottles a week with your wife or your friends or whatever, make the one week be the Pinot Noir week. Make the next week be the you know, Chardonnay week and so forth, so that you really get to know the different expressions of the grape uh, from different areas. Um, regarding your question of what things have been surprising uh, with ingredients, you know, there is this lore that says that there are some things that are the problem children of wine pairings, such as, you know, asparagus and, and broccoli and other cruciferous vegetables. I found that to be probably something that some old rickety Brit said years ago and, you know, fell down like, like wine lore, sort of like in neurosurgery, we have the lore that if you have a college cyst, someday you'll drop that automatically. Right. Um, I found that you, there's all kinds of things that can match to this so-called impossible um, problematic children, like, like those vegetables I mentioned. And again, it's, it's, it's a function of what I've been saying that more often than not, things will match. It is really a few things that are atrocious, and and you would know. So, Doctor Muse, have you have you seen the movie Burnt? No, no, oh. but I, I, I people keep on telling me that I have to watch it. That's the one uh, with the chef that uh, uh, forget the name of the actor, but yeah, we just yeah. somebody was just recently talking to me about it. It stars Bradley Cooper, Sienna Miller, Cooper. Uh, Daniel Bruhl, and Elisa Vikander. So it's got a real cast of characters and. It follows the the life of this chef that um, is very passionate and gifted, and he's also a complete maniac. And I love this movie because I I always ask my chef friends, is that what it's really like in a in a real kitchen, like a high end kitchen? And they said, oh yeah, that's that's actually pretty accurate. And I think about the operating room the same way, which is there's a hierarchy. There's, I mean, I don't want to say there's a lot of abuse, but you know, there's a standard, right? There's a standard that you got to adhere to. And, and for those of you out there, if you like movies, watch Burnt, because uh, I'm sure Dr. Minos's kitchen is much more benign, but um, <laughs> there's a great parallel there, because if you're passionate about food, it really matters. You know, it really, really matters, right? I, I, think, I think the one thing about food that is more so a thing than surgery, you know, what, what the patients see from your surgical procedure is the fact that they are hopefully better, certainly not worse, and the stitches on the skin. That's, that's the best I can do to translate my, my, my passion uh, through the patient to, you know, to both the patient and the relatives. Uh, and of course, that's a big deal. 
and and I don't want to minimize that when I compare it to what I'm about to say to food, but when you cook for somebody, and again, cooking and, and wine, food and wine is one of those hobbies that only makes sense if they can be shared. I've never made a great meal or I never had a great wine that I've had by myself, ever, ever, ever. It's always It's always about sharing this with others. And when you cook, you really transmit your passion in a way that I don't know what else could be. Perhaps music. I'm not a musician. JP is, and he can maybe attest to this, but it's one of those things. It, it's, it's just like, like, I don't want to say that my cooking is art because it isn't. I'm not that guy, but I certainly, I tried to import a sense of passion and thoughtfulness into it that I hope the people that are invited to my house pick up. Well, I couldn't agree more, uh, be it in music. I always say the best songs are those you write for someone else. And uh, exactly as you say, with cooking, the, the only dishes worth talking about are prepared for the people you care about. Um, but, you know, Dr. Munoz, to respect your time, we're going we're gonna to wrap this up, though. I feel like I could talk with you about wine and food and, and the pleasures they bring all night. I do want to remind our listeners that Dr. Munoz's wine class, the Hinsdale Wine Academy, can be found online at, at just that website, Hinsdale, H-I-N-S-D-A-L-E. HinsdaleWineAcademy.com. I believe you do still have classes going on. Is that correct? Well, we had to put a stop because of the search here in, here in Illinois. But but hopefully, hopefully, once things clear up, we'll go back. We'll get back on the saddle. Absolutely, and and I will personally attest. Um, he's a great teacher, and I, I'm sure that that translates to the wine classes. So, Dr. Munoz, thank you so much for joining us tonight on the Neurosurgery Podcast. Thank you for having me. Good night. Mm-hmm.